Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Joe Lupton, and with me today is my partner in crime, Mike Hansen, on the global team. You know, we've, there's a lot going on in the global economy. Uh, we're you know going to can talk about the growth side of things, talk about revisions, very fluid environment uh, in terms of setting our outlook, but also we have some important central banks both that we had this week from the ECB as well as next week's uh, Fed meeting will be uh, interesting to, to talk about and get your views on that, Mike. Uh, let me just start on the growth side of things. And let, let me begin with a, a sense that, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I know last week I was a bit more concerned that things were going to get worse on the um, on the the supply shock through commodity prices, and and that really is how we've been viewing the spillover of the Russia Ukraine war. Um, you know, I, I had a sense that oil prices could really go up much further, particularly in Europe, that natural gas prices could go up much further, and I think over the course of the week we, we were kind of dialing that back a little bit. I don't want to I don't want to pour kind of cold water on this being a shock. It's still a big shock, but you know, if I had to put our our estimates of the of where we think commodity prices will be particularly on the energy side, it's it's Brent around 110, which is where it's floating and and TTF which is European natural gas um, also sitting around 120-ish, which is really a, a statement about where this EU energy security policy goes in a sense that maybe they're not going to be able to do as much as they are hoping for in an aspirational sense. So with those in mind and recognizing that we still have a large energy shock here, energy price shock of call it 30 to 40 percent, Mike, why don't you walk us through how we're thinking about the, the growth backdrop um, actually, let me just start with inflation a second, right? Because that is how we're, we're thinking right. about this. Inflation is going to get really hot here, even if we've dialed things back, at least my worst fears. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. So I think it's notable that we came into the year, and we're seeing the data now for January and February, with inflation already starting to run a bit hot, right? Um, and not just on headline, which I think is obviously, as you said, with the commodity sh price shocks that we're seeing, where the the pressure is going to be focused for inflation going forward, but also on core. We were seeing core numbers come up uh, a, a fair amount, right? So if you look at the revisions we've made, we now have inflation, uh, headline inflation running at like 6% in the second quarter um, and, uh, you know, close to, to 5% for the year as a whole. And th those are, you know, about a percent uh, higher than what we had right before the war with Ukraine began, but there's a whole nother percent increase from the start of the year to then, right? If not even a little more. So Yeah, and I think if you just look at the first half alone, we've up, upped things three percentage points annualized, which is a, probably a nice way to scale the shock, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and you've seen actually somewhat smaller movements uh, since the war began on the, on the core side, but you actually had bigger movements uh, on core in the first, call it, you know, six weeks of the year in terms of revisions, right? So you've got this pretty pronounced underlying inflationary uh, environment to begin with. That's obviously keeping central banks on the hawkish side. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and it's certainly just being exacerbated, as you pointed out, right? You're scaling that shock, uh, particularly on headline. Um, and again, you know, there's, there's not just energy price shocks. There's also, of course, agricultural shocks. There's some metal prices. So there's, there's a lot of things that could eventually feed through into higher inflation. But we are, of course, very focused, particularly in Europe, 
on that energy shock. And as you alluded to, it really is fundamentally a policy question. It really comes down to how likely it is that the Europeans are going to be able to cut back on their imports of, of Russian energy to the extent that they've talked about in the last week. Right, right. And and that is a big unknown at this point. I think uh, there are lots of opinions out there and lots of active debates on our team on that. But we should be clear and viewers should be clear that we just we don't know yet. The outcome of the summit today was that the commission has been tasked to come up with some policies to try to to try to get to, to some of these goals, but but we don't know what that that's going to look like yet. And as I mentioned, I think there's maybe a sense that they're not going to get a, like a full thirds drawdown, which would require, if you believe that, much much higher increases in in uh, in natural gas prices. Right, and uh, you can see so it in that the future is markets the, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, Mike. I mean, the futures markets clearly are quite uh, downbeat on anything. I depend what the right word is. I don't they're know. Skeptical. They're, they're skeptical, skeptical yeah. <laughs> that anything does get delivered because futures markets actually on, on those natural gas prices come down quite a bit. But so now, Mike, translating that into the growth side, um, we've taken off about, you know, now at this point, made a few more revisions this week, also notably to the U.S. Uh, we are looking for where we've taken off about one and a half percentage points from global GDP growth annualized in the first half. Um, that still leaves global growth at two and a half, which if you looked at it, you'd say that's that's not so bad for the in, you know the, the insane level of inflation, the type of shocks we're seeing. You know, what is it? What's the story there? Well, we I, again, we, we came into the year not only with stronger inflation, but with a uh, pretty broad based set of indicators pointing to stronger growth, uh, you know, a, a nice rebound outside of perhaps parts of Asia in this uh, post Omicron environment. Right. And so that really pointed to the idea that, you know, we had some momentum coming into the uh, into, say, February before the the invasion. Um, it's against a backdrop in which you know consumers are pretty flush with cash. There's uh, some pent up demand. Uh, we're certainly seeing signs in some of our trackers, for example, on the capex side, that there's uh, you know demand for for spending on the business sector and inventory rebuilding going on. Um, you know, so I think it was a backdrop in which had we not had this shock, and our forecasts you know pre invasion reflect this, right? You would have had a pretty strong second quarter. Uh, and notably above potential growth in the second half of the year, right? And so what we've done effectively, given what we just talked about, where we don't have uh, this energy shock perpetuating for you know several quarters, we basically brought down growth in the near term a bit on the shock, but we still have above potential growth when we get to the second half of the year. Right. Yeah. And, and, and we should really emphasize the degree to which the consumer is assumed in our outlook, at least, to be cushioning this with uh, you know that kind of excess savings, a sense that the the saving rate is coming down quite dramatically in this period, uh, even against a backdrop of uh, of strong labor markets. Right. One other aspect that I also want to point out that we think is going to be cushioning growth is is fiscal policy, which it, it does seem like you're getting a, a bigger push. Both we, we're now looking for as much as a percentage point of of fiscal policy from euro area. Uh, and also China has probably moved as much as a percentage point, and, and the rest of the EM. All of these are responses to these higher prices and, and trying to cushion the consumer a bit. So our views are changing on the supports as well, and, and that does kind of underscore the, the strength that we had coming into this with the, these new cushions, and I think that gives you this, this kind of growth outlook, which is 
kind of still okay in the world of a of a very big shock. Mike, let's shift gears here a second, and I and I think it's it's actually a natural turn, right? Because we what we've described is a world with a lot of inflation, but a world where growth is actually holding up fairly well. Uh, so I guess it should not really come as a surprise what we're seeing from the central bank space over the last week and what we're expecting to come in the coming week. Is that right? No, I think that's right. I mean, it, obviously, there's been some discussion about what might slow central banks down in this environment. But the simple fact of the matter is that, you know, the, the, the risks to growth are risks, uh, whereas inflation is a clear and present danger, right? I mean, we have very high inflation. We're set to see inflation, you know, move higher from here. We've been looking for inflation to peak, you know, repeatedly over the last several months, and we're not there yet. Uh, and so this really does put central banks, uh, both in the developed markets and, of course, in the emerging markets, where they've already been tightening pretty aggressively, on a path to continue to uh, move in the direction of further normalization. Right. right. We'll and this that. week, Mike, the, uh, the, just on the let's just go through the big ones then. So like this week, yep. we had the ECB. Uh, what did we what did we get out of that? Yeah, the, the, the ECB was a bit of a surprise. Right. We had thought that if there was any central bank that was going to be more cautious uh, in terms of the growth outlook, uh, it would be the ECB, in, in large part because that is really where the shock is, is, you know, the epicenter. It's in Europe. Right. But uh, as it turned out, we had a pretty notable hawkish pivot from the ECB. So we had thought there was a chance that they would uh, back away from their plans to, to taper a bit sooner, maybe continue with asset purchases into the fourth quarter. They actually signaled they would be done by the third quarter. That opened the door for uh, early rate hikes, uh, perhaps as early as July, but certainly September is now on the, on the table. We had been looking for the first rate hike in December to try to sort of balance the various risks that are facing them. And we still think the risks are two-sided. They did change their language to basically decouple uh, the end of QE with the beginning of rate hikes. It was more tightly linked previously. But at this point, we still think when it's all said and done, we're going to get the first set of ECB rate hikes in December because it's just going to be very hard to get to the end of the year and inflation is running so strong for the ECB, which has been typically, you know, historically a more hawkish central bank. It certainly is one that does not have a dual mandate. It is an inflation targeting central bank. It's going to be very hard for them to not be hiking in that environment. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the sensitivity of the ECB to inflation is is gonna gonna come out, and you're gonna see it more and more over the the, the coming months here. If we're in a world where the growth shock is is somewhat somewhat more muted than some of our worst fears, um, now next week, of course, uh, we actually get liftoff from from the Fed. How how is that uh, gonna shape up? Yeah, we get the rest of the G four central banks, and the Fed obviously is headlining that. And we are looking for a twenty five basis point rate hike. It'll be the first of seven for the year, which we're still expecting at this point, uh, and I think nine consecutively into next year. Um, so we're we're going to get I think some clear communications from the Fed that uh, they not only are hiking now, but they see a fairly steady pace of hikes going forward, whether that shows up in the, in the statement language or in the descriptions of uh, you know, the debate from Chair Powell during the press conference remains to be seen, but it will almost certainly be apparent in the dot plot, right? And so we are expecting that you're going to see a good five or six uh, hikes amongst the median dot. Uh, and you're going to see hikes continuing into next year and beyond. You know, three hikes we think still uh, likely to be uh, conveyed by the by the median dot for 2023, and another two hikes for 2024. And that puts the Fed potentially in a place where they're going to signal that policy actually turns restrictive. I, there's some debate about whether you know, Fed officials are comfortable doing that at this point. Uh, but if that forecast is realized, which is you know kind of our base case right now, 
then you're going to actually have uh, Fed policy up around 275 to 3%. And given where their long run dot is at two and a half, that's a clear signal that the Fed officials have come around to the idea, should they put this forecast down, that policy actually needs to turn restrictive you know, within the next couple of years. Yeah, if this, isn't, if, if this isn't an environment where they'd want to signal they'd get restrictive at least, you know, what, two years out? Right. I don't know what environment uh, would, would, would warrant it. So, Mike, yeah. um, last question I want to ask you just on, on, the, on the Fed is, is there anything interesting from the balance sheet or is that kind of an autopilot type uh, story here? Well, the, the so Fed officials have made it very clear they've been discussing it in the last couple of meetings. We'll discuss it for at least another meeting or two longer. So we could very well get an update from Chair Powell on how those discussions are going. There may be some details. It's very unlikely that there'll be any formal announcement uh, next week. Uh, we are looking for the balance sheet runoff to get phased in uh, over the course of the second half of this year. Um, and there's some possibility that could be accelerated if they come to conclusions sooner. So there could potentially be something interesting on that front. But I think it's unlikely that we're going to get a, a formal announcement that, that QT, as it were, has actually begun uh, at next week's meeting. Okay, great. Thanks, Mike. And let's wrap it up there. I, I also want to point out that we do next week get some some data, probably the most important of which will be the U.S. retail sales report. Uh, we are looking for roughly flat on the total. Um, th that is probably going to be uh, held up both by the fact that maybe some some food services will be bouncing back, but also it's a nominal report and inflation's running hot. They'll also have the gasoline stations in there. The control number, by contrast, we look to be uh, contracting about 1%. And a reminder that while the consumers are cushioning, uh, that there is going to be a, a purchasing power hit that could be uh, weigh, weighing on activity. So with that said, uh, thank you for watching. And we look forward to continuing the conversation here next week on JP Morgan TV.